0: Springfield's Talk 1041 KSGF, the first alert forecast today, brought to you by Navot Employee Benefits That Work. Today will be partly sunny and hot, 40% chance of showers and storms, high of 93 degrees, a heat index index of 100 degrees. Tonight will be at 50% chance of showers and storms, a low of 68 degrees. Tomorrow, sunny, high of 85 degrees. And here's what's making news on your Tuesday. Parts of U.S. 60 will close soon for nearly a week. As MoDOT works to repair a sinkhole, it's the one that opened up on the westbound side of James River Freeway near Highway 65 last month. Starting September 16th through the 22nd, MoDOT says they will close that area again while crews make more repairs. Westbound lanes between 65 and Glenstone, along with both Highway 65 ramps to James River, will be closed. A Colorado woman avoided serious injury after the boat she was driving caught fire and exploded at Lake of the Ozarks over the weekend. 64-year-old Lori White was taken to a hospital with minor injuries. Highway Patrol says the boat she was driving lost power, then caught fire and exploded as she tried to restart it. For Color 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman.
1: All right. Boat exploded, crying out loud. <clears throat> that would get your attention. Um, so I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about what's going to be uh some of the issues facing the legislature in 2024. And, um, you know, again, when we make changes, <clears throat> there's always going to be unintended consequences, always. But that's not a good enough reason to just simply do what we've always done. If we do what we've always done, we'll get what we've always had. And in some of the issues that we that we face, um, not everything requires a legislative fix, but some of the problems are the result of bad legislation in the past, and we do need to correct those, um, and unfortunately, we've always done it that way, is the response that we get so very often from individuals whenever we're trying to correct problems in government, and and as I said with uh, Chris Wark, uh, I hate that, I mean, I hate that. We've always done it that way, and in, in fact, when I was a city administrator, and I'd go to a city, and the department heads would say, "Well, we've we've always done it that way," I, you know, I got to the point where I was saying, "Yeah, I know. They hired me to get you to quit it. Uh, that, that's why I'm here." So, congratulations, you we 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 figured it out, and um, that's part of the reason why I was elected as well to the state house is that you know, let's not just do things the way they've always been done. Um, part of that is in the budget itself. So my background in budgeting, um, public budgeting and finance, and there's a significant difference between public budgeting and private budgeting. So people say, well, I've run a business. I've run a multi-million dollar business or hundreds of millions of dollars. So surely, surely I can come in and, and run the uh, governmental budget the same way. Well, you can't because it's not the same. There are significant differences between the two concepts, and part of the problem that we have is we don't do a good enough job of explaining how it works so that people say, well, why why don't you just spend money on the things that we want and not on things that we don't want? And in in, in principle, that's true, but in practice, it's, it's much more convoluted than that. Plus, you've got individuals that have vastly different ideas of what's important. So you know, just for example, we, we, we passed the budget this year and I wasn't happy with it. I voted no on the budget on several parts of the budget. I voted, I voted no on, on one bill, um, and kind of caught some flack for it. Um, I voted no on, on the second, on bill number two, which deals with education. And I voted no on that. And, um, the, I was asked by a leadership individual, why did you vote no on that budget? Um, because I had offered a, an amendment to that bill that cut the budget by 93 million um, dollars. And, and how can you vote no on something when you passed an amendment? Uh, because there was 1.2 billion dollars that we didn't cut. That's why. You know if if I believe in, if I believe in something, like limited government, then I have to stay true to that, regardless of whether it makes me look like, you know, the amendment I set forth, I don't really believe in that. No, it's not true. I truly believe in that. But the issue is there was so much more to cut, and we just didn't get it done. And as a, as a frustration for me, I, I had to vote no on something I was successful on, now it passed, and we did get that cut. and And uh, ninety three million is a drop in the bucket. Um, it, it is, as I'm fond of reminding people, two thousand four hundred and sixty six years worth of my salary. And I'm the only person on the House floor who actually cut the budget as an individual. I'm, I'm the only one who did that. So I'm doing what I said I would do when I ran for office, and I'm doing what I've always done when I was in government at the local level. But I'm I'm also trying to be true to the to the principles of good governance, even when, uh, I've been successful, but I recognize it's not enough. We got, we we got to cut more. And so, um, we, we came, we, we had a budget last, last year that I was not involved in and it was about $48 billion for the state and uh that's just outrageous um but we've gotten all of the 22 bills 22 23 bills in and we know how much the departments actually spent and they spent about 10.3 billion dollars less than what was budgeted and on the surface we're like well that's a good deal we budgeted $48 billion and they, they spent, you know, roughly $37.5 billion. So that's good, right? Well, okay. But why did we budget so much in the first place? If, if we know they're not going to spend that much, why is the budget that big? Why do we allow for the appropriation of funds that we know are not going to be spent? And so part of my task as, as, a, as a budget person in the House legislature is to try to trim back the budget and right size the budget. I'm not even talking about cutting expenditures at this point. I just want the budget to be truly reflective of what we intend to do as government, government because if we, if we can't even tell people the, the truth about what we intend to spend, there's no way to even begin to look at whether we should be spending that or if we should maybe be spending that on something else. So the the very the very process of budgeting is one that, that has to be taken into account, looked into. And that's part of the reason why I ran for office is because I bring that degree of experience, um, 20 years plus of public budgeting and finance experience. And And the simple fact of the matter is those are your tax dollars. And whether they come from the state level or the national level is irrelevant. That's still your tax dollars. I had somebody say, oh, it's no big deal. That's That's federal money scooter that's us too you know that's, that we can't just we can't just pretend like that's free money that's not free money no, first of all it's our money but secondarily it comes with all of the the strings attached and part of what we do in state government is dictated by the requirements that the national government puts upon us in order to get the money well if we're not even spending it why are we tying ourselves down that way so there's 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 just there's a lot to it And um, I'm not done. I'm going back in, in January and it's my intention to try to get more and more of that money that we we're appropriating, but we're not spending to try and get that pulled back from the budget and the money that we are spending to make sure that it is spent appropriately and not just thrown into the wind. We got to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some more of the legislative issues that are coming up. This is Darren Chapel filling in for Nick Reed here on KSJF.
0: You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. All
1: right. Wrapping up this uh, show this morning with uh, talking about some of the legislative issues that are coming before us. Uh, One of the other issues uh, that I'm going to be addressing this session uh, relates to the school districts and the bus stops that they use for picking up and and dropping off kids. Um, Sonia Anderson uh, did this uh, in 2016, introduced a bill addressing this issue and to their credit, the city of Spring, or not the city, the, uh, Springfield public school district, they actually modified their policy concerning how kids are dropped off in relation to this issue. Uh, but she had said that in, in her bill that school districts could not, um, have a bus stop for children within 500 feet of the home where somebody who was on the sex offenders list, Uh, resided well it makes perfect sense why why would we want children to be around individuals who by their previous behaviors and having been convicted of those uh behaviors are not supposed to be around kids they're they're on the predators list um and and it made so much sense that there were school districts that frankly fought against it which i don't understand um I mean, I understand it causes problems of trying to figure out where the bus stop's going to be, and I'm sure that's not an easy logistical issue to deal with, but so what? Uh, We're dealing with kids and the protection of kids, and you'd like to think that school districts would have enough sense uh, like like Springfield Public School did, to change policies so that they wouldn't do that. And I, and I know that Springfield had an issue where that became a problem, but they, they corrected it. I mean, the, this year they had a bus stop that, that was in violation of the policy. It was brought to their attention. They changed it. That's how it's supposed to work. Uh, just because you're in government doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but you're, you're striving to answer the concerns of your constituency, and, and SPS did that, and, and they ought to be applauded for that. Um, But not all the school districts are doing this. And um, there are other instances wherein school districts have a bus stop in front of the house of somebody who's on a registered uh, sex offender list and um, have not changed them. In fact, uh, one individual let me know that when they called the director of transportation of a local school district, they were told, well, it's not against the law. um, So we're going to try and fix that. And, and point that out. Now, I've had people say, well, why is that a state issue? Why is that not a public school district issue? Well, it is, it is a school district issue, but it's also a state issue because school districts, like cities, like counties, townships, and villages, they are political subdivisions. So the state is sovereign, not the cities, not the school districts, and they operate as those political subdivisions under the uh, control and the direction of the state and the only powers they have are those that the state has allowed them to exercise so when a political subdivision is unwilling or unable to be rational with the uh, with the use of that granted power it is the responsibility of the state to step in and say okay scooter here's the deal we're going to we're going to alter the, the power that we have allowed you to exercise, and now you may exercise it only in these particular formats. And so it is a state issue because we have state citizens who are being put in a position of um, uh, potential harm, especially children, um, and, and yet some school districts, the vast majority of school districts, have not taken that into account as... Uh, common sense would dictate. Springfield has, but not all the school districts around the area have. Now, even in Springfield, the policy, as I understand it, and I could be mistaken about this, but as I understand it, the policy is, and this is what former Representative Anderson's bill said, if there's just no logistical way, you cannot have a bus stop that's not within 500 feet of one of these individuals' residences, Uh, It is then incumbent upon the school district to notify the parents of the kids on that bus, on that route, that this is the case. And, you know, transparency, let the parents know Uh, they should move it if they can at all. But if they can't, at least let the parents know. And that seems, again, rational. I don't I don't know why that would be a problem, except for it requires more effort on the on the part of the uh, of the school district but I, I believe that we have a responsibility to protect our kids to the best of our abilities and when government is involved government should not be part of the problem now so very often government is the problem but if we can rein government in if we can pass legislation that that makes them be responsive to the the scenario in which we find ourselves then government becomes less of a problem. And so that's that's one of the things that we're going to be dealing with in this coming session. And I know that's what we're going to be dealing with because I'm, I'm going to be reintroducing that bill and I'm going to be fighting for those kids to not. I mean, it just seems so stupid that we even have to talk about it. But I'm going to do my best to make sure that we're not dropping kids off in the front yard of a person on the sexual offenders list. I just cannot imagine people being against that, but I'm sure they will be, and I'm, I'm sure we'll have a fight, and that's okay. I kind of like to fight. We've got to take another quick break, and then we'll come back. We're going to talk about some of the other issues, education reform, IP reform, and, um, and, and and what we're going to be doing in the state of Missouri as the legislative session approaches. This is Darren Chappell again filling in for Nick Reed here on KSGF 1041.
0: Enough with the lies. We need facts. It's well-balanced conversation. This is Springfield's Talk 1041. you You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041.
1: So we... Um... <laughs> Somebody commented that uh, you could hear the disgust in my voice uh, with some of the bumper music. And, uh, you know, sorry. (laughs) It's not my intent. And this is a long-running joke between Sarah and I that, you know, sometimes she uh, she, she has bumper music on there that uh, I have in the past. Not today necessarily, but in the past thought she was kind of poking me with a little bit because it's just so far afield of who and what I am. And it just cracks me up that when I'm on, uh, that's the way it goes. Um, and yet when other producers have programmed uh, the show, there's, you know... Country boy can't survive, you know stuff like that. <laughs> and I'm sure it's totally accidental and happenstance. But uh, at any rate, if I if I expressed any disgust in the bumper music, I I, I apologize for that. Uh, it hasn't it hasn't been too bad today. Um, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> um, we did get a, a text on American Transmissions talking text line uh, 4174475743 about, uh, the, the relative hazard to children, uh, as far as busing from school to and from school, as opposed to, you know, walking through that same area. And the person said that they live in a part of town that is just riddled with, uh, individuals who are on those, those predator lists. And, and yeah, there are no perfect solutions. Um, and that's why the bill does say, as, as I pointed out, if it's impossible to avoid having a bus stop within 500 feet of a person who's on that list, um, their residence, then then the school is responsible for letting the parents of the kids on that bus route know this is the problem. And um, I don't I don't think that's too much to ask. Uh, frankly, the the fact that we have so many individuals who congregate in a given era, era that's, area that's probably has more to do with economics than anything else, and that's unfortunate. But which is safer? I, I, I would suspect it's safer for them to be bussed, dropped off close enough to their home that they then can walk as quickly and safely as they possibly can home. But here's the deal. Government government does not do proactivity well you know a crime occurs the police show up they put tape around the area and they try to find who did it but the police don't have the wherewithal to prohibit criminals from from acting we don't You know, we don't do that. We, we, we wait for something bad to happen and then we go after the, the person who did it and try and catch the criminal. But if you're, if you're waiting on the government to protect your family, to protect your children, you're already messed up. You are responsible for the, for the provision of, of your family and of your loved ones. And, and so you, you have to be proactive uh, because government is not set up to be proactive. Government is largely reactive. And so um, as, as scary as it is to be a parent these days, you, you have those children. You've taken on that responsibility, and that responsibility is yours and yours alone. We do not co-parent with government. Uh, that's, that's not a thing. And there are people who are trying to make it so. But we should reject that and fight against that mentality at every turn because those children belong to their parents. They don't belong to society. They don't belong to a school district. They certainly don't belong to the government writ large. They belong to their parents. And, yeah, we need to have safety nets and we need to provide opportunities for individuals to utilize the the resources that are there for their day-by-day living in in the role areas where government actually has a role to fulfill, but if you're if you're relying on government to make sure your kids are taken care of and 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 are safe you you've you've already missed the point that that's not the function of governance. It's your job. and um, you know that's what we have to do. Um all right, we're going to take another quick break and then we come back, I want to talk about education reform and I want to talk about ip reform uh just very briefly because both those issues are going to be talked about in the legislature as well i have every confidence Uh, so we're going to be back right after these messages here on ksgf
0: you're listening to nick reed in the morning on springfield's talk 104.1
1: Okay, so we are, uh, we're back. We've only got a little bit of time left together, and I do want to get uh, these two issues uh, at least discussed a little bit. Uh, one is education reform. Um, this is one that gets people wound up just tighter than a cuckoo clock because of it's our kids, and we're concerned about our kids, but it's also schools themselves. In most small communities, the school district is the largest employer. And everybody has a teacher in the family. You know, everybody has some connection uh, that they, they attend services with or, or you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and so we all have concerns about making sure that uh, education is provided for um, the very best way that we possibly can. And nobody wants to see anybody harmed in the process. And. You know, unfortunately, that's that's never possible. Even in the system we currently have, there are individuals who are not served as well as others. I've never in my entire career been able to find a way to make everybody happy. It's just that's, I've never found that. So. Um, the question is not, should we be involved, although that is a question uh, we are involved. So are we utilizing government funding the best possible way to meet the needs of the most possible people and, and be able to provide opportunities for our children? Because if you look at the latest scores uh, from the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education for school districts around the state, it's, it's frankly, it's abysmal. You've got huge percentages of children who cannot read on grade level. Uh, who cannot do math at grade level? Um, we we and they say, well, there's, there's, we're still hung over from COVID. Well, first of all, we did that to ourselves. It wasn't COVID that caused those problems. It was the governmental response to COVID that caused those problems. But uh, even if that were the case, this is not just a post-COVID issue. There have been declining scores and declining results for years and years based on the way in which we handle education in the public sector. Now, it's not all the local school district's fault. Part of the problem that we have is is that we have the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, which has been around in state government for roughly 40 years, a little little more, a little less. Um, The Department of Education at the national level, has been a department in the government for uh, 43 years. And although that seems like a long time, and surely surely that's the way it ought to be, because why would we keep it up if it's not? Um, the reality of it is that for the my age and above, you understand we went through school without it, by and large. I mean, the vast majority of my academics that I underwent as a child... None of that existed, and yet I was able to be taught math and reading and, and uh, science and history. It did not require this bureaucratic maze of power and regulation and restrictions on local teachers for me to have been educated. And for the vast majority of the people listening, um, you, you likely went to school without it as well, to one degree or another. And for those of you that are young enough that your entire educational system was was overseen by these bureaucracies, they've grown in power and grown in their political visions the entire time. So even even though you may have never gone to school without those departments in place, the way they impacted your classroom likely wasn't anywhere near what it is today for children. So so. Before we just say public schools are bad, which I, I don't think they are. I'm not anti-public education, but I am anti-bad government. So when the Department of, of Education says, look, we've got all this money we'll give you, but you have to, you have to abide by these restrictions. You have to implement these policies and these, these visions of what a good citizen looks like. The legislature ought to tell them, hey, we're not interested now, we don't because we want the money. But the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, they, they want the money too because then it allows them to do what they do. But they've gone through so much mission creep. It's called the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, so elementary school, high school. But now they, they do daycare centers. They do pre-K. They do adult learning in the evening. And you say, well, all those things are good and, and, and those are important. Yeah, but should that department be doing it? The Department of Elementary and Secondary Education? Is that their role? Why have we allowed this mission creep to occur and just continue to spend more and more money? Their budget is $10.4 billion. 20% of our entire state budget goes to them. and That's, that's, that's not counting other funds that go toward education. That's just them they have 18 more than 1800 employees across the state. What in the world are we doing allowing that much control from a bureaucratic perspective on our local school districts? The local school districts can't be locally controlled if they're having to bow and scrape to the, the to the state and national level departments all in chase of the almighty dollar. We need to we need to have more local control. By school boards, by superintendents who are then responsible to and answerable to the parents and the voters of that school district. And right now that's that's not where we are. So education reform is something that we're that we're going to be looking at uh, to try and correct some of that. Uh, school choice, allowing parents to be able to determine where their children are going to go to school, both within and without the public school system. We're going to be taking a look at those issues. And as they as they are, are fleshed out, I'll bring those back to you from Jefferson City and, and be talking to you on, on the air, I'm sure, and be able to get your input. But if if we just keep doing what we've always done, we'll get what we've always had. and And it's not good enough. So, all right. We're going to take another quick break. We'll come back, I just want to talk very briefly about uh, uh, IP as well. So uh, we're going to do that when we come back right after these messages.
0: You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. Okay.
1: So uh, education reform, we talked about um, um, education reform in the sense of allowing parents choice uh, as to where their children are going to school creates competition and allows for um, children to receive the best education that they possibly can. But without reigning in Desi and without reigning in the national government, it puts public schools uh, at a disadvantage. I, I don't want to do that. But if we can get the tentacles... Out of the local school district, make them make them responsible. Give them the opportunity uh, through direct funding rather than being filtered through all of the bureaucracy, so that they have what they need to compete. And then say, okay, now you're on your own. You got to make your own decisions, and we're going to let you be responsible to the voters. To me, that makes the most sense. That's truly local control. There is no governmental entity that is better suited to the parenting of children than their parents just the way it is and so there's all kinds of questions all kinds of issues it's far too complex to get in if we did the whole three hours on it but we're not going to do that but that is going to be an issue and so uh, reach out to me if you'd like Uh, you can get me on facebook you can get me by email um, darren.chapel at house.mo.gov happy to visit with you Um, you have a cup of coffee and uh, talk about whatever the issue is. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to hurt public education. I'm trying to help kids. And make sure that our governmental dollars aren't spent ineffectively. And that we're not part of the problem going forward. Uh, to the best of our abilities. Um, the, the concept of IP, uh, which, which stands for initiative petition, is also one that needs to be dealt with. Now, initiative petition here in Missouri is utilized in two different ways. One is a statutory fashion, and that's where individuals can get a petition that says, we, we think there ought to be a law, and we want the law to say this. And then they pass that petition around, they get enough signatures, it goes on the ballot, and then it becomes a state law, and it bypasses the legislature and the governor. Okay, fair enough. Um, certainly never said the legislature has all of the answers. And just because I've now been elected to it doesn't mean that it does have all the answers. So have no difficulty whatsoever with initiative petition from a statutory perspective at all. And I wouldn't want to change a thing. And I don't know anybody who seriously wants to change IP at the statutory level. Nobody's bringing it up. Um but the second way in which IP is used, initiative petition is used to alter the Constitution to the state. Here's the problem. The Constitution is not supposed to be a law book, a code of laws. That's not what the Constitution is supposed to be. It is supposed to be the foundational principle upon which the government is established. It's supposed to be a document that says, here are the basic tenets of what we believe government ought to look like. And government is restricted in these ways so that it does not overrun its role or authority and does not abuse, therefore, the liberties of its citizenry. And the Constitution is supposed to be that foundation upon which governance is built and through which governance is exercised and it should not change unless society has so drastically changed that the foundation is no longer suitable it's not supposed to be hey wouldn't legal weed be cool <laughs> it's not supposed to be we really like bingo bingo So let's go put that in the Constitution. And unfortunately, because of the way in which IP is done in this state, it only requires 50% of the vote plus one person. 50% plus one to approve a measure on the ballot. And then it goes into the Constitution of the state of Missouri. Now. You say, well, that's a majority, and we're a democracy. Well, A, we're not a democracy. We are a republic. We've never been a democracy. We were never supposed to be a democracy, and people need to quit talking about us being a democracy. That's not not what we are. We are a republic. And a republic has a built-in cooling-off measure so that the passions of the moment do not rule the day. And by by allowing for the Constitution to be altered based on 50% of the vote plus one person, the passions can oftentimes rule the day. And then when you throw in the fact that money gets spent from out-of-state sources, that, you know, millions upon millions tens of millions of dollars uh, are spent in campaigns to try and get something done which benefits very very few but the public says yeah that sounds like a pretty good idea or the way in which it's worded on the ballot is misleading or people just aren't paying attention which is a huge problem in a in a republic if the public is not if the public is not paying attention then how, how can they make the determinations effectively as to whether or not something ought to be in the Constitution? So, no, no nobody, nobody is talking about doing away with IP as an option for statutory, just changing the law. That's fine. If it doesn't work out, we can change it back. But when you alter the Constitution... Now you fundamentally change the very foundation upon which government is based. And I give you a classic example. When the when the marijuana, when the when the decriminalized marijuana portion of the constitution was being debated, I, I warned people it still says it's only under three ounces, which is a lot of weed, okay? Less so for some. But but three ounces, and as long as you had, you know, less than three ounces, it's legal. Yeah, what are you going to do when the national government decriminalizes it like they're talking about doing now? They're going to say, "Well, it's it's decriminalized, so it's no big deal." <laughs> in Missouri, it's still a felony if you got 3 or more ounces. And we can't change it now because you stuck it in the constitution. Always 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 unintended consequences. We're going to talk a little bit more about this reform that I'm talking about, uh, but we got to take these messages here real quick here on KSGF 1041
0: you You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk One O Four All
1: right. We are uh, completely out of time as per usual. Uh, real quickly before I forget, I want to thank Nick and Sarah and the KSGF management for allowing me to fill in today. Thank you to Houston for Running the board, he does an excellent job. Um, initiative petition reform. So, don't want to do anything with statutory uh, initiative petition. That's fine the way it is. Uh, but the Constitution, there should be a higher standard. There is at the national level. Uh, the Congress has to pass uh, with two thirds majority um, all of the uh, supposed, you know, proposed um, amendments to the Constitution. Um, and then it has to be ratified by three-fourths of state legislatures. Um, uh, we can have a convention of states and uh, propose amendments that way. That also has to be ratified by three-fourths of the state legislatures, however. So uh, there is a, a recognition that the Constitution ought not be changed frivolously. Frankly, when we have in the past, like Prohibition, we had to undo it. And that took a constitutional amendment as well. So um, the reality of it is when we're looking at the Constitution of the state of Missouri, it it also it ought to be harder to change it than 50 percent plus one. So lots of different ways this could be done. But the the one that has caught my eye as the most sensible is the concurrent majority model. What that says is essentially you have to have a majority of the voters. So 50% plus one, just like it currently is, in order to pass something. But it also has to have won a majority in a majority of, let's say, the House districts. So, you know, there's 163 House districts in the state of Missouri. It has to win a majority of the overall population, but it also has to have won a majority in a majority of the House districts across the state. So it would be 82 House districts. It has to win in, and that seems like that's an awful lot. But what it does is this: it protects the it protects the rural part of the state when faced with the overwhelming uh, voices of the urban centers. So, St. Louis, Kansas City, Columbia, to a lesser extent, Springfield, Joplin; those cities have a huge percentage of the population in those in those. Uh, in those cities proper. Not a pure majority, but really close to it. So that if those urban centers want something to pass, they can very close, uh, closely approach 50% plus one without anybody else's input. The rural part of the state is also really close to 50%, but Because it's so broad and diverse, the reality of it is it's harder to get everybody to vote the same way all across. So if if something is needful for the Constitution and a majority of people want it, then IP reform under a concurrent majority model would say 50 percent plus one is is one standard. And then the next layer, it has to have achieved that majority in a majority of the House districts across the state. That's fair. That keeps it in a, in a pure majority rules perspective, but it makes sure that it is a true majority that is across the state and has broad-based consensus support and not just those areas that have the highest populations. We're going to talk more about it down the future, but these are the things that are being brought before us. I want to thank you all for being with us this morning, and we will uh, talk to you again very soon here on KSGF 1041. Glenn Beck is next.